Medic 43, District 1, Engine 51, Response, Cardiac Arrest. Hello, everybody. Welcome again to another edition of the MCHD Paramedic Podcast. If you're joining us on YouTube, thanks for watching. If you're listening, as always, thanks for listening. Joining me today is our Quality Chief, Kevin Crocker. Hello, everybody. And today we're going to present an abstract that we submitted and, and presented at the National EMS Physicians meeting back in January of this year, which after COVID and the comings and goings and comings and maybe goings again of the pandemic seems like ages ago so long ago but we were proud of this data and really think there's some timeliness to it so while it's a little bit delayed we still think it's appropriate and hope hopefully this maybe maybe prod some folks along to, th to think about this medication and think about its use in ems we feel like it's been a really excellent addition to our toolbox here at mchd and what we're going to discuss is our experience with iv Acetaminophen, IV Tylenol, trade name Offermev. Uh, we've been using it here at MCHD for a couple years now uh, for both pain and for antipyretic uses for our febrile patients, again, in IV formulation. And we're really pleased with how this has worked. Our medics really like it. That specific uh, data that we looked at was, was some pain data, but before we get into the data, you know, where did this protocol start, Kevin? Why did we decide to implement it? You know, where did, where, where was the kind of the genesis of this? Yeah, so that's a great question. So you have to go back pre-COVID, so way, way, way back. Uh, I think it was probably 2016, 2017, we kind of started looking at you know, alternate options that were not opiate-based. Uh, back then, the opiate epidemic was a really big topic, and it's still a topic today, but not, not as much as it was back then. So we were looking for, you know, a non-opiate-based non uh, pain management option for our, uh, our providers to use. Um, really, with the goal we thought at the time we were looking was to find an option that would reduce our opiate use. Um, Offermev had some, some promising hospital data. There wasn't a whole lot of pre-hospital data at the time, and the, the ones that were were international. We couldn't find a lot of U.S.-based studies that talked about using IV Tylenol in the pre-hospital setting. Uh, so the data we, we looked at was very promising, so we decided we would give it a shot and kind of implement it here at MCHD and see how it went. Um, we initially, like you talked about, we deployed it for pain management, uh, but we also opened it up for, for sepsis. So if you had a septic patient who couldn't take Tylenol PO, uh, we opened it up as an option for, for that as well. We thought that, you know, initially going in it, we thought that our providers would probably use it for what they perceived as less severe pain, so they would still use the, the opiates for their severe pain, but uh, they would use it more for what we thought would be the, the less severe type of pain. Um, and that's kind of how we got started with, with the IV Tylenol here at MCHD. And so just to, to piggyback on a couple of points you made there, this is, you know, this IV formulation of acetaminophen has been around for, for quite a while. Um, prominent use in operating room settings, especially in Europe. It garnered some press probably 15 years ago, but the big limitation in America for a long time was cost. And realistically, I, I don't have access to IV Tylenol in a lot of my EDs just based on, on cost alone was the, was the big concern. And the idea that, you know, a couple pennies for a dose of morphine or a dose of fentanyl, whereas, you know, at one time, you know, this was in the hundreds of dollars a dose. Uh, we now source this 
at last I checked here at MCHD was forty dollars. I actually I got good news for you. I actually talked to to someone who procured it from another agency this morning, and we're down around eight dollars a dose. Okay, and yeah. maybe even maybe even less than that coming soon. The real reason why we wanted to get this out today was that uh, this is going generic in June. It may it sounds like it may be already headed that way now. So the the cost should keep going down. And again, the opiate epidemic thankfully has has spared us a bit here in uh, greater Houston, especially on the north side. We don't see as much opiate issues as we do, you know, in the Midwest, uh, especially, you know, Ohio, Indiana, Kentucky. Uh, you know, I trained in Indiana. I'm from Kentucky, and both of those spots were really, really hard hit. But that said, it's still an, an excellent uh, hemodynamically neutral, non-sedating uh, pain option. How does our protocol read? Who gets IV Tylenol? What's the dose? What are our contraindications? So we left our protocol and we're pretty broad. So we didn't give specific targeted treatment of if you have this type of pain or if it's at this number on the pain scale, give this medication. So we left it more to provider discretion. So if the provider thought that the patient was a good candidate for IV Tylenol, we left that decision in their hands. Uh, so we did it two ways. So we did it for, for pain. Uh, and pain, we did for both medical pain or uh, traumatic pain. So no matter what the, the origin of the pain was, we left the provider discretion, the provider discretion to treat that pain as they saw fit. Uh, and then, like we talked about earlier, we also thought it was a good option uh, for fever reduction and sepsis. We know we have a lot of septic patients here at MCHD and in the U.S. in general. And a lot of those folks are altered and uh, they can't take oral Tylenol. So we added it to our protocol to treat oral Tylenol as well. Um, for as far as dose goes... Uh, we give one gram for adult patients, uh, IV over 15 minutes, and pediatric patients get 15 milligrams per kilogram, uh, same IV over 15 minutes. So for all the listeners out there that are concerned about complexity here, 1,000 milligrams or a gram and 15 milligrams per kilogram is the same dosing for oral Tylenol. So there's really no, there's no learning curve there. In our protocol, did we list specific contraindications? Yeah, so we listed a couple, not a lot. So the first was if they had an allergy, a known allergy to Tylenol. Clearly, that's the obvious one. Uh, the second one was if they had some kind of liver disease. Uh, we know Tylenols can be, can be hard on the liver, uh, just the way it's metabolized. So if we had a, a patient who had a known liver dysfunction or liver disease, uh, we made that a contraindication as well. So the beauty here is, you know, we have other non-narcotic medications in our toolbox, specifically Ketorolac or Tordol, which is an NSAID, an excellent, you know, musculoskeletal uh, pain medication, excellent for kidney stones. The downside there is that it is a reversible platelet inhibitor. So if a patient potentially has operating room in their future or has potential ongoing bleeding, you know, subarachnoid hemorrhage, traumatic brain bleed, uh, you know, liver lack, spleen lack in a trauma patient, you know, the traumatic patients and the potential OR patients are really not going to be candidates for Ketorolac or Tordol, whereas Tylenol has no platelet effects. So though that group of patients is entirely on board, entirely a good candidate for uh, IV Tylenol or Ofremeb. So it, it fills a gap. It fills a need there. And we're not going to sedate the patient. Uh, we're not going to cause respiratory depression. We're not going to drop the blood pressure with it. You know, I've, I've seen some studies recently that have looked at, you know, comparing IV Tylenol, I'm not trying to steal your thunder here, to two narcotics and some ED studies that 
show maybe not quite as good pain control, but yeah, realistically, what would you expect? Would right. you expect Tylenol to be stronger than Dilaudid, even no. in IV form? Probably not. But let's get into our data a little bit because this is where, you know, I feel like the abstract was pretty powerful. You led the abstract submission for our IV Tylenol data. What were you looking for and what did we find and how is this pretty encouraging to us really? So for us, the genesis was the, the pain piece of it. It wasn't the, the fever reduction of the sepsis. So everything we're going to talk about data wise kind of focuses around the pain management side. So that was kind of our, our starting for the research project is how does it do with pain? So we really had a couple questions going into the research abstract and it was, does it reduce pain? Uh, we didn't know that. Any, I mean, clearly we assumed it probably did reduce pain, but we didn't know that for a fact. So that was probably the, one of the primary endpoints of the study was, does it reduce pain? Um, second, anytime you do a research study, you should always look at the safety of it, right? Is it safe to administer? Do you have any major side effects associated with it? Um, just the safety profile of the medication in that, in that setting was the second. Uh, and the third, and we kind of knew going into it before we even rolled it out, that it probably wasn't going to be opiate sparing based off some of the other data we had read. Uh, but we were just curious, what did it have an opiate sparing effect in our system? Those were kind of our, our initial endpoints that we were going to measure. Uh, so we did a total of 10 months study. Uh, it was 10 months of data that was inside the abstract that we submitted. Um, how it worked or how does it reduce pain? We kind of came up with a definition based off some other research we had read of uh, clinically significant pain reduction. And the definition of clinically significant pain reduction that we used um, was a reduction of at least two points. So on the traditional, you know, pain scale of zero to 10, if there were pain was reduced by two points or more, we called that clinically significant reduction in pain. Um, safety measures, we looked at side effects uh, or significant side effects, and we called that, you know, nausea, vomiting, or uh, allergic reaction. Um, so that's the kind of the, the setup of the, the study. Inside the study, we ended up giving 215 patients um, IV Tylenol for pain. So that was our, our study group. Um, a little bit surprising to me, uh, we used um, IV Tylenol more in medical pain than we did in traumatic pain. Uh, that was a bit of a surprise to me. About 65% of the, the uses for pain was for a medical uh, etiology of pain, and the, you know, the rest was for uh, traumatic pain. Uh, the initial median age group, or I guess the, the total median age group, uh, was 56 years of old, 56 years of age, which is a pretty good representation of our patient population. It's about what you would expect in, in our service. And 62% uh, were female. So I was a little surprising. I expected probably a little, a little more on the male side, but 62% were female. Uh, the, the median initial pain score. So when we showed up and said, I see you have pain, what's your pain zero to 10? The, the initial median score was eight. So it was pretty high. Uh, it was a little higher than I thought it was going to be because, like we said early on, I thought that we'd probably use the IV Tylenol more for a, a lower pain group, but the initial score was eight. And at, after they received their dose, so the last pain score before we dropped them off the hospital was five. So we had a, an, an average reduction of three points with uh, the IV Tylenol, which was super promising to me. I, I don't know if I expected that or not. It's a little, a little more than I probably thought it would be, uh, but I think that's a huge success um, for, the, for the medication. Uh, in addition to that, we had no, no side effects. So nobody of the 215, none of them had any, you know, documented nausea, vomiting or allergic reactions. So, uh, the third endpoint, the opiate sparing piece is kind of what we expected going in. Uh, we're a big service. We treat about 60,000 patients. So clearly giving 215 doses probably didn't have an effect on our opiate usage and it didn't. 
we used about the same amount of fentanyl in the pre and post because we did look at that. Uh, so we, we didn't find an opiate sparing effect here in our service. Um, and there's probably a couple reasons for that. I mean, we could probably do more to target patients and say, uh, and write a more specific strict protocol, but we didn't do that for this study and we left it more to provider discretion. Um, but that, I don't see that as a failure. I think for us, the, the primary endpoint of this was, does IV Tylenol reduce pain? And I think our study says it does. And safely, and safely is a, is a key here. To be honest, when we, when you brought this idea, we were doing our abstract sort of brainstorming probably this time last year, probably about a year ago to today-ish, uh, you brought it up and I said, yeah, let's, let's look at it. Let's see, let's see what our pain reduction was. It all stemmed from, you know, the easiest data to mine and some simple points. And we thought this would kind of fit the bill, but we didn't really do any kind of, this was word of mouth. This wasn't a whole lot of advertising. We did not, you know, we rolled this protocol out and we obviously educated on it, but we didn't put a IV Tylenol first, opiate second. We really just kind of rolled the ball out on the court and let people pick it up and play without a whole lot of rules. And I honestly, when you think about 200 plus doses in 10 months, uh, that's, that's almost a dose a day. Yeah. Um, that was probably more than what I expected on an overall, just pure usage, uh, scale. So I, I was really pleased with that. Um, I probably was a little bit shocked that it was more, uh, medical than trauma. Uh, but again, we didn't, we didn't push it one way or the other. This was sort of the natural progression within the service. Um, we talked a lot. You've mentioned it a couple of times. I mentioned it. IV Tylenol may not be opiate sparing, you know, that's, we found the same thing, but in all honesty, I think if we pushed it the right direction and we restructured our protocol and you really wanted to go that direction, I think we probably could with equipoise. How do you feel? I completely agree with that. Um, I didn't, we didn't do a deep dive into the fentanyl administration we had during that time period. So I I don't want to say that, um, fentanyl was better than Ivy Tylenol or Ivy Tylenol is better than fentanyl because I don't know those numbers off the top of my head. But a three-point reduction, I think, is is huge. It's very significant. And I bet if we did go back and look at the, the fentanyl, it's probably about the same, probably a little better, right? Like it's probably, it's a better, we, we know that opiates treat pain probably better than Ivy Tylenol does. But I bet if we looked, looked at the pain score numbers, there's probably not a huge difference. It probably, it's probably four or five points on the on the fentanyl side. So I think if we did go back or if we started today a new research project and we looked through those 215 patients and we dug into that data and saw the patients that it worked the best on, uh, we probably could start targeting other patient populations and increase the use and make it more opiate sparing. And realistically, that's what the ED and the hospital data have shown. You know, if you look at, uh, there's a, there was a IV Tylenol versus hydromorphone study, I believe uh, that was in the past year or so. And shockingly, the lot had, controls pain a little better than IV Tylenol does. Yeah. I don't know who would, who, read, that? who would read that and be shocked. <laughs> that said, the IV Tylenol still controls pain pretty well. So it's not about, in my mind, it's not about supplanting the use of opiates. If I have an open femur fracture, give me fentanyl, dilated morphine. Yep. I want some good narcotic pain control for that Absolutely. to this day. I don't feel like there's data there that says that's the wrong thing to do. Now, if my blood pressure is 70 and I've got potential liver lack along with my open femur, maybe the better option is IV Tylenol and 
IV ketamine yeah. together. Absolutely. That's another another discussion that we've had around here. What if you paired IV Tylenol and ketamine and compared those to opiates? Would you be equal there? Or, I bet it'd be very similar. Or, 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 or even better. Yeah. Uh, so it's all about giving our medics the best options in specific circumstances and realistically a hemodynamically neutral, non-platelet affecting pain medication is something that you know we really d- don't have besides ketamine and the the advantage with IV Tylenol as opposed to ketamine is there's you're not going to get any of the dysphoria that you may get with ketamine even though it's not super common it does occur and sometimes people don't like how IV ketamine makes them feel even if you stay in that 0.3 per kilogram uh, you know, pain control analgesia range, there's still a risk of people, even if it's not full on dysphoria and emergence, sometimes people just get a little loopy and they just don't don't, like it. Yeah. I I like the analogy of like a carpenter, right? A carpenter doesn't bring just a hammer to your house to fix something that's broken. He brings a whole toolbox. You don't always need a hammer. Sometimes you need a screwdriver or pliers. And, you know, I think we need to be like as a profession and as providers, like, we need to have more targeted tools in our toolbox to, to give our patients. So not every pain needs an opiate. There, there are other options you can use. And when you expand your toolbox and put toolbox and put things like IV Talon on your toolbox, I think you, you know, you, you open up your options for treating your patients. Um, and you kind of give your providers a little better uh, options to make sure they're, they are targeting the right medication for the right patient. And on that note, you know, we mentioned it before, but going generic now. So, Really, that's the reason for our discussion today is that if you're listening out there and you've been avoiding IV Tylenol for any time period based on cost, I would advise you to call your call your reps and your distributors and your your folks up and and reprice this because it's coming down into a range where it's still more expensive than opiates. But in the right patient population, when you can spread it over from both pain and antipyretic uses and use it in those febrile altered septic patients, it it makes a pretty good fit. You can make a a much better argument for it at $5 a dose than you could at $80 a dose. Um, That's that's the gist of, of our current data set. While we wrap it up, talk about the future. You know, we presented this in abstract form at the national EMS physicians meeting just, you know, this past January, where do you see our data and our work going? Uh, do you see IV Tylenol expanding within EMS kind of wrap us up with, with how you think this may go in the future? Yeah, I think there's a couple points there and COVID did kind of put a roadblock on a lot of our research projects here uh, at MCHD and IV Tylenol was a victim of that. I think there's probably two things we could do and we kind of talked about one already. So if we looked into our data and we kind of looked at which pain, you know, was better affected by the use of IV Tylenol and making a more structured protocol that was more targeted to the to that patient population. I think we could probably do some some better analysis and probably some better treatment of patients uh, if we dug into that and made a more targeted approach. Second, and probably this is probably I don't know if it's the most surprising, but it was one of the more surprising things about the data. Uh, we had 215 patients who got IV Tylenol for pain in that same 10 month time period. 313 patients got it for fever, secondary to sepsis. Uh, and I, I did not expect that when we, when we rolled it out. So it was a, a much higher number. And we didn't do in-depth data collection on that because it's harder, right? Like that's a hospital-included a hospital study. The, the pain management study we did just did a, you know initial pain score and a final pain score. So it was easy for us to get the data. Um, if we were going to look at you know, 
does uh, IV Tylenol, you know, improve the, the mortality or shorten length of stay for patients who are septic? That's a, a hospital-involved study where we have to go and get the ICU length of stay and innovation numbers and, you know, their initial pain, uh, initial fever upon arrival. Like, that's just a more in-depth study. So we didn't do that this time. But I think in the future we could look at that because there may be benefits to those patients getting early IV Tylenol uh, in the pre-hospital setting. We just don't have the the number for that today, but I could see that as being a research project either here at MCHD or if there's a listener out there who has a service that kind of wants to take that up and run with it, I think that's a great opportunity for future research. And there are folks out there, there is a camp and there are believers out there that potentially treating fever and sepsis may not be ideal. So the other side of that coin may be, is there detrimental effects? To, to treating of course, yeah. to treating early uh, septic patients to treating their fever, uh, so that that would be that would be where I would want to take it. Of course, I always want to take it where we need hospital data, and that always ends up in the pain of going to all seven of our receiving hospitals and and dragging data out of folks who I know hate to see me coming. So we'll see we'll see where that leads. Kevin's over here cringing. Our great knows, hospital partners who are always happy to help. They are, but they, just, uh, they do hate to see me coming. It's a process. It is, yeah. you know, it's, it's, uh, hey, we need 20 patients from eight months ago. What was their length of stay? What was their blood pressure on arrival? And you've got these data collection sheets, and we all know the state of the hospitals right now, and everyone's overwhelmed and understaffed and trying to fight through the end of this pandemic. So I understand that I'm causing pain with these questions. And so I appreciate all of our receiving <laughs> hospitals help and everyone is always gracious in providing us with, with feedback and outcomes. So I can't be more thankful. I understand how annoying it is to get a IV Tylenol question 18 months after the fact, like what, why do you need this now? What are you doing? <laughs> so I get it. And I promise uh, we're, we're, uh, we're not going that direction anytime soon, but I would agree. That would, would be interesting to see the effects of IV Tylenol early in those septic patients and looking at ED markers, hospital markers, uh, the, the flow of those patients compared to standard treatment and, you know, rectal Tylenol or oral Tylenol once they get to the ED. Is there any benefit there? Is there any, is there any harm there? Uh, it would be interesting to, to look further. So that gets us a good spot to wrap it up. Anything you want to add? No, I think that's a... Uh, a good place to end it, but I would say that if you if you haven't looked at other options for pain management and you're just using opiates, there are other options on the market. And IV Tylenol happens to be, in our in my opinion, a pretty good one. So if you're in the market for shopping for something, I would definitely look at IV Tylenol. And as always, if you have any questions about anything that we've used to teach the pharmacology and uh, use of IV Tylenol in our service, we're always happy to share. If you have questions or ideas for additional podcasts, hit us up at the podcast email, podcast at mchd-tx.org. Please leave us a like or review wherever you listen to your podcast. If you're watching on YouTube, we love comments on our YouTube channel as well. Thanks for joining us today, Kevin, and, and putting our data out there. As always, thanks everybody for listening and watching, and we'll talk to everybody again soon. This podcast was brought to you by the Montgomery County Hospital District, Texas. Production and editing by Andrew Adams. Questions or comments, which are always welcome, can be sent to podcast at mchd-tx.org. Make sure to subscribe above to keep updated to all our future casts. Music, copyright, Kevin McLeod, and Competech.com. Licensed under Creative Commons by Attribution 3.0.